Looking to unleash your inner craftsman? Look no further than Outlaw Leather USA, where they specialize in crafting custom-made leather welding gear that offers maximum protection from heat and sparks. With their product's superior quality, construction, and durability, you can count on them to stand up to any job. And with their outstanding customer service and dedication to providing you with the best possible experience, you can trust that you're investing in the quality you deserve. As a special bonus for listening to the podcast, you can get 10% off your order by using the special promo code WELD10 at checkout. Invest in quality with Outlaw Leather USA today. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wiggington. We made it to episode 100, and I decided it'd be awesome to do a flashback episode, picking out some of my favorite moments from the podcast since I took it over. These include what it's like getting into the industry and what our industry needs, things that'll help you grow your business, and also things that made me laugh or I found very, very interesting and meant a lot to me. I hope you enjoy it. In this first section of the podcast, I thought it'd be awesome to just get some words of inspiration of getting better in the industry and things that will help you get further in your welding career. When we have classes going on, I'm like, do not be afraid to ask a question because there's a good chance that whatever you're asking, somebody else might be too afraid to ask. And so you're doing, you're not just doing yourself a favor, but you're doing other people also a favor. Exactly. I asked so many questions and everybody was like, shut up. (laughs) I'm like, no, because I'm asking the question you're too afraid to ask. And people would say that to me all the time. They're just like, man, I was thinking about that forever. I've never asked it. And you asked the question and now I understand what I'm supposed to do. It's like, yeah, well, if you just ask, you probably (laughs) figure it out sooner. I think it shows courage and strength for somebody to ask for help because asking for help is not easy. Um, I think in some ways people are like, well, if I ask for help, then I'm like, you know, I'm, it's failure or, or like it, it proves that I'm unable to do something. It's like, no, it shows that you care enough about whatever you're doing to learn how to progress and how to continuously be better. Because it's like, if you're not asking your help and you're struggling and you're mad and it, then it gets to the point where you're like, you know what, no one's helping me and I'm going to quit. It's I, like that That just opens the floodgates for all of that. Exactly. Often people are pushed down the traditional path of education instead of vocation. And if you look at the hierarchy of it, it's college, military, and then the skilled trades. Often people either fall to or migrate to the skilled trades when college either doesn't pay off or doesn't work when they get out of the military or they're in reform, right? They're out of prison and they're trying to do things better. We end up with this kind of bucket of trying to capture overflow. So ultimately it becomes a third option. And by the time you get to the third option, nobody's really talking about it. Yeah. Nobody's sharing opportunities, educating people on the ideology of hands-on. Every time I see something on social media about, oh man, I was doing a construction job and then I learned drop shipping and now I work <laughs> for my computer and I just want to strike them in the throat because there's absolutely no need to be negative towards the trades to try to promote another option. Like when I got in, I was 18. I had never welded pipe. I didn't even know what pipe fitting was a trade. I didn't know any of that stuff. 
And these guys were super tough on me. They used to mess with me. They would have me go get things that didn't even exist. And I would be looking for it and I would never find it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it, they would have me. Collect so there's the a video out there. I probably shouldn't even say this, but there's a video out there somewhere that my foreman took of me when I was a first year apprentice and the well, my, the welder at the time, his name was Scotty Robinson. He was, he was really good sick welder and he's welding. I had, so I'm working with three other journeymen. One of, one of them's a foreman, but uh, he's welding and he's telling me that when he goes to tie in his weld, that I need to, I need to pinch the leads, like kink the leads when he ties in because <laughs> it'll help him tie in better. And I'm like, no, that, that ain't true. And then I got two other journeymen tell him like, no, dude, we do this all the time. Like with a straight face, you know, and I don't know any better. So I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? So he starts welding and he's getting closer to tying it in. He's like, pinch the leads. And, you know, I'm over there pinching him. He's like harder, harder. And I'm struggling <laughs> to pinch these leads, you know? So that's the, that's the kind of stuff that, that you're going to deal with being brand new at anything. You know, especially in a blue collar trade, being being brand new at something, you're going to get picked on a lot. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, these guys, if they're picking on you, it's, it's probably because that they like you. That's my biggest advice for people just getting in, in, in the trade is there's going to be a lot of shit talking. There's going to be a lot of stuff that really is going to get under your skin. But that is what makes your skin thicker. So just take it with a grain of salt. Just show up on time. Listen and Pretty much, if you can do those two things, if you can show up on time and you can listen, <laughs> you'll be you successful. Will be, you will be very successful. Most most people choose welding as a profession because they hear what kind of money you can make, and you know that that also gets misconstrued a lot. A lot of kids get it right out of school and they think that they're going to make you know eighty, hundred thousand dollars a year. But like I told you, my first job I made fourteen dollars an hour. So that's not always the case, but if, as long as you're hungry for it and, and you chase after it and, and you're not scared to work those hours and put in some hard work, you, you're going to grow quickly, you know, and within two, three years, you could pretty much write your own ticket in this industry. You can go anywhere. Like some of my students are surprised to learn that, you know, before I get into a session or whatever, I'll bust out some coupons and just throw some random work with it. Just kind of loosen up, get myself ready. So that way I don't do my first weld on a job, you know? Yeah. You know, the first one of the day on a job that I'm, you know, I'm going to be cold. I'm going to be rusty with it. I got to, I got to make sure that I, I'm warmed up. I'm loose. I'm good. And just that little bit of practice on just a piece of metal or two. And you can have this pack in your toolbox and just, Hey, I'm going to try this real quick. I'm going to set this up and you can dial in and you could feel it. You know how this is how I'm going to run today. Because I mean, we're not robots. We don't weld the exact same way every single day. You know, you have good days, you got bad days. So having that little extra, you know, five minutes just to throw some stuff down on a piece of metal that you don't have to go hunt down is a really convenient thing. Learning how to weld. What is the most important thing that you would say to focus on? Probably figure out what you think you want to end up doing. Because it's very different what path you go down. Like I said, I've always been in the, like what I would call light fabrication and metalworking. I've never welded a pipe. I've, I haven't stick welded. I stick welded in a video before that I hadn't stick welded since I was 10 years old. And a lot of these schools are focused on, I'm not bashing them. Like you can make a lot of money being a pipe welder. If you want to do that, that's a good goal. But like a lot of the schools are that direction. There's a few that focus on actual fabrication. So I would see if you could take like a day class at some of these schools and see which kind of metalworking you like because they're very different from each other and the approaches are very different. So first I would figure that out and then I would pick TIG welding. Of course. And yeah, like obviously going to school is going to help. Watching YouTube videos is going to help. If you can buy your own welder and have something at your house or in your parents' garage or whatever, that's going to help the most. 
because you're just going to be able to experiment on your own. And you can make a lot of cool stuff if you just want to make art projects with limited tools. It seems like you need a lot of tools. Really, you need a welder, a grinder, a Maybe an air, like an electric shear, like a hand shear that you yeah. can shear some sheet metal off with, or just tin snips. You can make a lot of stuff. Yeah. It just takes a long time, but it's definitely possible. So, yeah. Just get after it. Just get after it. I've been getting paid to work in the trades for, shut up, Nate, 30 years. That is some tradesman experience, if you know what I said. <laughs> That's who we are. We, we started the Tradesman Experience podcast in January of 2020. Really just on a mission to bring more respect and awareness to the trades. That's a hard thing to do, just because I feel like right now everyone's been led down this path of go to college, get your business degree. There'll be a job waiting for you. And mm-hmm. then everyone gets out of college and there's wait, there's no jobs. And yeah. I've seen a lot of people later in life transitioning into the trades because they went the college route, couldn't find any work, and then went to a trade school for a year and making way more than they ever would have made with that degree in the first place. Yeah. I mean, especially a lot of the stuff like if you're dumb enough to go get a liberal arts degree or something like that, it's like, come on, be a little, if you're going to go at least do something proper. And I personally, I believe that 70% of the people going into college have no real intent on being there. They're there to get fucked up and party. And they'll, they're just trying to appease their parents at that point, trying to open up these avenues for these kids to get into the trades and get into they, most of the time. They don't even need to go to a trade school. Yeah. A lot of the companies are so desperate, they'll hire them and train them. If you if you have the ability to go out into the market and work, this plumber's making $100,000 a year. Like, that's good money. And when I was pipeline, I think my best year was almost a quarter million. Like, it, there's really good money to be made there. Did we have to spend money to make that money? Yeah, you got to maintain. I had my own rig. I had my own welding machine. had to maintain all that stuff. Bought my own consumables. But that's a really good living, yeah. especially when you're 25. People have a really bad outlook on the technology that's being integrated into the industry. But if you look at it with the right lens, that stuff is there to make your job easier. It's there to help you. Somebody's still got to run that equipment. We're just changing the method in which we get things done. But somebody's still got to be there. They don't, you don't just push a button and the house is built. You You don't set it, forget it, come back a week later and have a whole new line of of cars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the custom market's huge. Most of, a lot of the stuff, we do a lot of uh, custom homes. So it's a lot of big steel, a lot of ornamental iron. stuff you can't get a robot to go figure that shit out for you you know and be mobile on a site yeah mass production that's one thing but nobody wants to do mass production anyway that job sucks there's that big dividing line i guess you could say between trades and the educated i guess you could say the blue collar white collar that line has never been more prevalent or, or more visible than you know in the past years than it is today and i've always been you know an advocate for having a trade and i've also been an advocate for having an education. There's nothing wrong with having both. So, you know, even as you grow, like you can go to a welding school right now and realize that's what you want to do for the rest of your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you get the time in it right now and you learn, you grow, you get more money, you work your way up or whatever the case is, then go to school and try to, you know, get, you know, an education or whatever the case is, that good old mighty piece of paper that says, hey, I know what I'm talking about. And then when you go back into that same industry, you're already more valuable than either side because you obviously know how it's done. So the white collar can talk to the blue collar. You're the translator. And when the uh, blue collar is pissed off at the white collar for designing something, whatever the case is, you can translate again and then you theoretically make a better product and then you become a more valuable employee or you can go into business for yourself, whatever. So yeah, get skilled and get educated.
The first year, they teach you pretty much about what it's like to be in the union and what the the history of it is, you know. And I I believe it's a five-year program because this stuff you can learn fairly quickly, but it's the experience that is is what takes a long time, right? You can't teach experience. So I think that's why it's five years, which just seems like a long time. The five years is going to go by anyways, whether you go to college or whatever you do. So anyways, the first year as an apprentice, like I said, is they teach you mostly about the union. The second year, they teach you about drawings, how to read prints, how to draw isometric drawings, and how to lay out piping systems. Third year, they do a little bit of pipe fitting and a little bit of welding. And then fourth and fifth year, the school I went to, uh, Local 803, that's when you really start getting into the pipe welding, fourth and fifth year. You know, my welding instructor, Val Kazia, he, he is a great welder. Uh, he has a, at least 20, um, probably almost 30 years experience. You know, he's the best welder I know. He'll get you right. So he taught me how to weld. He taught me how to stick weld, TIG weld, MIG weld. I mean, you name it. So it's a, it's a great experience, but I will say that it is not easy Getting into something when you're green, basically, you know, you have zero experience like I did. It's not easy and and the guys don't make it any easier. So there's a lot of shit talking that goes on in the trades. I mean, you're working with grown ass men. They've been doing this for a long time and then you get into the trade and they're going to pick on you. They're going to make your life hell and you have to do everything that they don't want to do, you know, almost like a grunt. But it's all part of the process and it teaches you how to be tough. It, It teaches you grit and it teaches you to talk shit as well so <laughs> you get on those other jobs you know and, and you're not the lowest guy in the totem pole you know you kind of know how it goes it's, it's definitely not easy i wouldn't say it's for the faint of heart it's not for everybody but if you can hang in there if you can listen if you can show up on time and uh, you got a little bit of common sense i mean you can go really far in the trade and once you're done with the apprenticeship you know you get a, a journeyman's card so you're a certified journeyman pipe fitter the school i went to they did pipe fitters plumbers and hvac technicians so i got my journeyman's card for pipe fitting i can use that anywhere in the country and i believe also canada i think ireland australia and some other countries that are connected through the ua they teach you something that nobody can take away from you you know it's a trade it's a craft it's something that you always have so i think it's great for younger generation especially nowadays like you said where can go well not it's not that everybody can go to college it's that everybody that goes to college isn't gonna you know necessarily have a work i feel like there's an influx in that whereas the blue collar road is a little bit less. Now there's more of a demand for us. So I think it's a great time for people to get in. Whether you join a union or not, I think, you know, we're out there working with your hands. You can make a lot of money. I'm proof of that. I mean, I do that. I have a family. I have a wife and kids and I have a house and, you know, I pay all my bills. I got, I got my shit together, you know, so. When you're a welder, there's always a risk of getting burned. Fortunately, there's companies out there like our friends at Black Stallion who have been in business for over 50 years protecting welders like you and me. They're always looking for new innovations to help keep you protected and help solve those everyday problems. Their high quality gloves, jackets, and flame resistant garments are some of the best out there on the market. And they're designed to fit comfortably and stand up to any job that comes your way. If you're looking for some new gear to help protect you today, head on over to www.blackstallion.com and check out all the cool options they have to get any job done.
In this next section, I thought it would be awesome to talk about business. I know everyone out there who has a small business wants to grow or people that are trying to get into business for themselves would love some advice. And that's what this next section is going to give to you. We have to overcome the stigma that we've allowed to be placed upon us. But that stigma has been placed upon us for a reason. And yeah. if you look at the standard behavior of low functioning tradespeople, that's what's amplified in the public eye. That's how we all operate. Yeah. And they look at that instead of the company that does 10 billion a year in large roadway construction and high rise buildings and stuff like that. When they want to think about the trades, they think about that dude in a busted ass van yeah. with, some, with <laughs> yeah. a Sharpie written down the side of it says handyman spelled wrong. Yeah. And so I think one of the best ways to bring people into the trades is to attract people into the trades, but we're only going to do that by changing our behavior first. So you're going to have to increase pay, which our current state of economy has really kind of skewed that because right now anybody can write their own ticket, whether they are skilled or not. Yeah. So that's creating a bit of distortion in the success of the trades, but people, they need to get up to date with just how businesses operate. It does. It's not like the eighties and nineties anymore. There's a lot of evolution that needs to happen within these companies that are operating in the skilled trades and standards being one of those evolutions. Mm. Standards of behavior, expectations. If you expect more, you're expected to pay more. So you have to set up an opportunity that's going to attract higher quality people. And I think that's a one of the best places that we can start with the people that are currently in the trades. First of all, stop wearing a cutoff t-shirt with <laughs> army boots, cutoff blue jeans, and a fucking Fu Manchu, and then complain because the next generation doesn't want to come work for you. We've got to start there. What about like your insurance? Like what kind of insurance would you say a small business is supposed to have? Well, you should have something. Yeah. Um, I mean, when when I first started out, I'm not going to lie. I was doing some stuff that I probably shouldn't have, especially on vehicles. But that was a long time ago. And I didn't have any problems with it. But now that I'm in the insurance world, like we don't do things on trucks, trailers, suspension, anything like that, like spring brackets, like we'll do like a bumper or like a truck bed for like a dump truck. But when it comes to that kind of stuff, we really shy away because we don't have the insurance for it. When, when I first got insurance, it was, I don't know, like I had, I'm going to say it was probably about $250,000 in coverage or maybe like a half a million in coverage. Just doing like my classification was just doing ornamental iron work, or ornamental railing stairs architectural stuff like i couldn't go above one story and it was like i don't know like three grand a year or something like that so it was it wasn't terrible depending on who you go with so i work with a broker who only deals with like the actual good companies not like uh like you know in the the, the auto insurance there's like the general will get you like the minimum of like the car insurance. It's like, Oh, $29 a month, you know? No, like, like I, I guess you could get that. And you know, if I get into a point where I need insurance, I want my insurance company to have my back. Yeah. So I decided to go with companies that are actually good. Yeah. Definitely get insurance, especially when you're full-time, like, like part-time work, man, that, 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 that's kind of a tough thing. You know, you have to choose what you're, what you want your exposure to be to the liability. If you're out there welding hitches and bumpers and stuff on your buddies' trucks, like, yeah, they're your buddies. It might not happen, 
honestly, it's not even about your buddies. If anything happens, it's about their insurance company or whatever happens to the property of the other insurance. They'll be like, well, who put that hitch on? And they'll be like, oh, well, it was this guy. So it's like they're going to come after you. It's not your buddy coming after you. You know, it's their insurance company because you're you're whatever failed. So I'm not so much worried about things like that because we just don't do them. But that's definitely, you know, there's a big market for working on people's trailers, the tongues of people's trailers, putting on hitches, doing suspension stuff, you know. And I, I know a lot of people who do that. And I don't know what their insurance is like, but I'm sure that they are covered with that. If we were to do that kind of stuff, our insurance would definitely go up a lot more. I just don't want that kind of work. You know, my advice, get insurance, get decent insurance, learn the terms that they want to hear. Don't answer any questions more than you need to. Yes, no answers. Because if you say one thing, they're big. Oh, well, because you do that, that's a liability. We're going to charge you more money. Just answer the question straightforward. Just be careful with, with what you say you do, but be honest, you know? Running a business is one of the fucking hardest things you'll ever do. Especially doing it correctly is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. And coming out of the trades, we all got really good at a skill. And so we thought the value lied in the skill. We <laughs> just assumed that we were like, fuck it. We know how to do this. I don't fucking need you to show somebody else to be over the top of me. And then you get out in the real world and you start trying to run this business and you have no idea what you're doing. You don't know how to sit through contracts. You don't know how to deal with insurance. You don't know how to set up vendor relationships or lead a team. And it's one of the most stressful things to do if you don't have any guidance. Like what Josh provides, the value that he brings to the table, this is beneficial across the entire industry. This isn't just about helping out that one business. This is creating higher standards across the board that once other people work with us, they're like, dude, these other guys, fucking up like because we actually communicate we're proactive we get out in front of things josh teaches us you how to get up to that thirty thousand foot view and actually look at your business as it's this living breathing entity that needs to be taken care of it's not just an atm machine which a lot of people view it that way how do you come up with pricing oh shoot that that's a that's a pretty big subject hourly i charge above 25 now i've told all my subcontractors i want them to move up to that and that's the work that i bid for them is always at 125 an hour and that's repairs the reason i bid repairs at hourly is because you don't know what you're going to run into and i hate making that phone call like hey i ran into this you're going to need to pay me x amount more because it always leads to a fight in my experience and you want to avoid any sort of confrontation that you can with your customers you're going to have it there's no doubt i mean you're going to have times where you're going to fight with your customers but as far as railings or fabrication jobs i just try to figure out how many hours i'm going to be into it uh, usually add 20 percent for you know mistake and then as far as like the material, I get material, I get the material price. I usually try to price it up from multiple places. And then I add anywhere from 20 to 40%, depending on the circumstance, the volatility of the material and the time. And also me knowing the client, like I have one client, I work for Home Depot. I'm, I'm sure you've seen a couple of the videos. They will ask me to bid a job in March and then approve it in November. And I have to be able to honor my price because if I can't, I don't get the work. Business cards. Hand your business card to everybody. You you know, welding, you're kind of in a business where it's more, our transaction values are higher than like smaller widget type things. So personally, what we do is I have stainless steel, laser cut metal business cards. Now, granted, they are like three bucks a piece, but I'm not selling $3 widgets. I'm selling 3000 
13,000, $30,000 jobs. So the fact that I have, it cost me $400 to go get a stack of business cards. That is well, well worth it because first of all, people aren't going to throw them away. They're not going to pick their teeth with them. And right there, like it it starts a conversation without even saying anything. When you hand somebody a metal business card, they're like, wow, this dude means business. The jobs find us. Like I said, that's where the deep roots come in from the internet, from the early stages. We've been in the internet for so long and deeply invested in that. It pays off in the long run. But besides that, our social media, our networking events that I attend, public speakings I attend. To me, there's not one thing that you can do to capture jobs like that. You've got to do it all the way across the board. Do it all the way in every aspect there is. Otherwise, you can never pinpoint the fact of one thing that makes you successful to getting these jobs. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device. Specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. In this last section of the podcast, these are just some really, really cool moments that I've had so far on the podcast, and I just wanted to share them with you. Getting the vessel number, because you were like, yep, we got the vessel number. Like, how how did that process go? I want to say it's ridiculously complicated, but it, it, it wasn't. It was actually really easy. It was just extremely inconvenient <laughs> in order to do that. I had to obviously turn in all of my receipts, keep everything that says, these are the materials I used. This is where I sourced them all from. And, you know, here's how we got it all. And then you got to take that down to Department of Taxation. And they got to make sure that you paid your taxes on all of it. Because, I mean, obviously things like materials and stuff like that, I mean, they're all bought through my company. So some of it I still had to pay taxes on, et cetera. And then they got to inspect it and they got to be like, okay, this is a, you know, a vessel. You got to describe it and you got to sign this affidavit saying, I'm the guy who built this. This is where it was built. And here's the materials that I used to build it. And then they just give you a, a whole number like right there. So you wear this welding cap all the time. I do. Yeah. When did it get adopted <laughs> into your personal style? To be honest with you, it was before I started my motorcycle shop. So I started the bike shop in 2009. But even before that, I was fabricating, building bikes on the side. And I used to cut the brims off mm-hmm. my bicycle caps. There's actually uh, an article that I got in a magazine in 2007. And it's me wearing this uh, baseball cap with the brim cut off. It was just to make them fit under my welding hood. And then just one day I was at the welding supply store and I found this particular cap. And yeah, started wearing it. And then it was just like, okay, well, it's, it's thin, it's cotton. 
and I can toss it in my back pocket, fits under my welding hood, but it also is like a comfortable hat to wear and easy to stick in your pocket when you don't need it. So it just was something that I just started wearing all the time. And then people started to recognize me <laughs> because of the hat. So yeah. it just, yeah, it became like a, yeah, it became a thing, but it was really just because it's a comfortable hat and it fits under my welding hood, but it's also just easy to carry around. So it was, yeah, it was just a love for the hat really more than anything, but happenstance, you know, just people started seeing me with it. So it just kind of became a thing, but it's really just because it's a comfortable hat. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. See, that's, see, but that's like the weird kind of questions I have in the back of my mind. You know, I'm just like, all right, I like this hat, you know, because there's all kinds yeah. of styles of welding caps and everything. Oh, sure. Yeah. But that, that style, I don't, I've seen like maybe like two or three times out and about. Like most people, yeah. That one looks great. Looks like it's got some padding and everything in there. Yeah. But I've yeah, never sure, tried yeah. those. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. They got, yeah, great padding thin yeah you fold it up stick it in your back pocket and yeah a lot of times with welding caps you have like the the beanie that's kind of sewed up like a baseball cap so yeah. it comes to a point at the top then you you would wear that backwards so it shields the back of your neck you know whereas with this one it's got the seam right in the back so a lot of people when they see the bill on the front they don't realize that that's like that's there to uh you know to keep that band from giving you like pimples across your forehead for oh. uh, you know the same the same reason so this one actually does have a seam in the back, so it's not worn backwards, but a lot of people see with a bill in the front and they think, oh, he's he's got it on backwards, but the bill is actually for the band for the you know, for the headrest. It's not it's not worn backwards, it's just a different style of hat. I had no but, idea, uh, man. I had no yeah. idea. How how frustrating was it to l- learn how to film your arc shots? It was kind of hit and miss. I never really did the whole hold the lens over the phone. There's a way on your phone that you can tap on it on the phone. I think now everyone knows the trick, but you can focus in on your weld. You tap on the screen and then the little square pops up on at least on iPhones and a little sun comes up and you drag that down and it, it basically lowers the exposure to light and everything. And you can see an arc really clear through it, at least with TIG mostly. Most of your MIG, Flux and Stick, because of all this, the sparks and smoke, still pretty hard to get a good clean and arc arc shot and you'll see that everywhere it's just kind of hard to read a puddle but those tig arc shots are they look good you know yeah what books would you say have been like huge inspirations for you if you're looking to start a business and a side hustle there's a book called the e-myth revisited and it's about starting a business and making sure you are the right person to start a business you know, it talks about how there's owners, there's managers, there's technicians, and some people who think that they're really, really good at their job are able to go off and start a business where in a couple months, you're going to learn that you really hate the management side of it, or you hate the business side of it. And that's where a lot of people fail is because they don't know what category they fall into. So I would say that really influenced me, man. I love the Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. I really love that book. Quitter by John Acuff is a really good one for starting your own business. That involves, that's all about going from your nine to five and working up to the point where you can actually quit your job and leave. Definitely check out that book. I would say those are probably the, the ones that really stuck out to me the most. There's a lot of other ones like Good to great, how to win friends and influence people, all the ones that everybody else has heard. Definitely check those out too. 
I feel like people kind of get jaded when it comes to, you know, you start getting success and people are just like, oh, I don't I don't have time for these these regular folk. You know, it's like <laughs> no, I, no. I've always been kind of I've never had like a super stardom success with my music. But, you know, I've had like you're just saying, like those kids that come up, like I played this one yeah. festival in Bell Buckle, Tennessee, where, you know, there was there was like maybe like 15 people listening, you know, but there was yeah. this one kid just he was so into it and it started raining. So I was like, come get on stage, man. And he like came up, brought his little chair and just sat right on stage as I sang the rest of my set, you know, yeah. and it was such like he was so enamored <laughs> and it just you could see it was something he would love to do someday. And just to yeah. be that person where someone you can inspire yeah. someone to want to do something, you know, yeah. I think that's it makes my heart happy every time it happens. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. It feels like. uh yeah, it feels, yeah. I mean, like I said before, like an honor. It's like that's yeah, those moments, they're, they're worth their weight in gold. I always tried to end each episode with what would be your biggest piece of advice you would give a new welder or somebody that is just trying to progress in the industry? Don't eat both chicken wings. <laughs> that is the best advice I ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, I'd say don't be afraid to learn. Uh, just follow your gut. Be one piece. Follow your gut. And the other one is don't be afraid to learn. Pick up the books. Do the keystrokes on the internet. But learn, learn the good stuff, especially the math. Yeah, the math, I've heard from many a person that the math is very important. So to brush is. over it. You if got... you don't know the math, you can come to work for me and I'll pay you whatever I want to. You'd never be able to figure it out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. And above all, thank you for being a listener. It means a lot that I get to learn alongside with you every week. And if you ever want something specific on the show, please reach out to me on the Weld app. You can find me at Bo Did It. Or you can just shoot me an email at bow at Weld.com and let me know what you want to hear about. Because I love learning and I love doing this podcast. And I love that we've made it to episode Thank you to everyone that listens every week and tell your friends, let's keep this thing growing until next time. We'll see you out there.